Episode 89 of the Hang With Coach Noonan podcast features current Associate Director of Football Sports Performance at the University of Southern California and former Denton Geyer Wildcat, Coach Brian Kagans. Coach Kagans arrived at USC in January of 2022 after spending four seasons at the University of Oklahoma, where he was the Assistant Director of Sports Performance and the Director of Sports Science. Prior to OU, Coach Kagans was at Fulcher High School, Denton Geyer High School, the University of Texas, and Texas Women's University. Coach Kagans played offensive line and special teams at Texas Tech from 2002 to 2005. Coach Kagans is widely known for his creativity and implementation of the grid while at Geyer and bringing bringing the grid to his various stops along the way. Coach and I talk shop along with some other topics related to strength and conditioning. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow Coach Kagans on Twitter to learn more about the great things he's doing at USC. Fight on. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any that you find value in. Also, we'd appreciate a uh, rating and review, whether on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're in the Dallas area, and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. If you're trying to step up your menswear game, then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, or snatch, I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code Coffee with Noonan for a 10% discount on single purchases, not subscriptions. Check out VikingCoffeeCo.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hang With Coach Noonan podcast. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected. Now let's get into today's episode Coach Brian Cadence. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by a legend in the game. Uh, he is a former Texas high school uh, strength coach, so he's been around uh, at the low levels, and now he is at one of the most uh, prestigious football programs in the country. Uh, he is the Associate Director of Sports Performance at USC uh, football coach Brian Keegan's coach. How are you, man? Thanks for taking time out to uh, hang out with us on the podcast. Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing really well. I gotta. I do have to clear up one thing though. It, it is. Uh, it is Keegan's, not Keegan's. Keegan. But it is. It is a common mistake that uh, has been around my whole life. Well, if it makes you feel any better, as phonetically spelt as my last name is, I've heard all. All the, bit, all the butcherings, and I apologize yeah. for not asking. No worries. Applying that, uh, but <clears throat> everybody remember going forward, it's Brian Kagan's. So, Coach, take us through kind of uh, your journey to USC. It's a long one, so you don't have to go super in depth, uh, you know, and just kind of highlight all that if you need to omit that you were at one point uh, co workers with Kyle Keese. That's okay, too. No, you know, I, uh, I came right out. Uh, I finished playing football in 2005 and in 2006, I took a job at, uh, Crown Over Middle School, uh, Kyle and, uh, Kyle and I took the job at the same time. 
uh, from there, we, we kind of, I knew all along that this is kind of what I wanted to do, strength and conditioning. And then it was just trying to maneuver and find ways to get it done. Uh, I didn't have a degree in kinesiology or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I had a degree in Spanish. Um, so I needed something because every time I'd open a book, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm dealing with this. And uh, so I went back, master's degree in uh, sports performance and human movement. And uh, just kind of got the ball rolling from there. A head coach allowed me to take over uh, the strength program at Geyer. We had some success. At the same time, I never stopped bothering my boss or, or my old my boss now, but my old strength coach from college, uh, Benny Wiley. And uh, I just kept showing him, like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what I got going. Uh, videos here, put together a book, put together videos. I mean, it's just doing everything I can, not only to – uh, you know, help promote myself, but help promote Geyer, uh, Geyer football and uh, in an indirect way just to put us out there as best I could. And then uh, sure enough, 2013, Coach Wiley called me, said, uh, you know, next spot I get, it's yours. And uh, so in July of 2013, that call came, I took it. And then uh, that lasted all of six months. Uh, Coach Brown retired, moved on. Uh, and so I came right back to Geyer, uh, except this time I was working, you know, working under Kyle. And uh, and I wanted to help him the same way he had helped me all those years and, and do the and do right by that. And, and just uh, so I took the freshman and uh, made it work from there. A former colleague who had taken some head jobs reached out to me in 2016, said, I'm opening a new high school in Houston. You in? I said, this is perfect opportunity for me to kind of get back and and have my own program again. So I took it. Uh, and then in uh, the winter 2018, I got a text message that said, I'm got some things brewing from coach Wiley. Are you in or out? I said, I'm in, uh, and then, you know, OU four years and, and, uh, now we're here out in Southern California. Did you ever really envision yourself at the collegiate level or were you okay to just say there is a little more security at the high school level? Right. You know, six years in your first stint, or six months, excuse me, in your first stint in college and you're out and, you know, you're back out the door kind of thing. You know, obviously fortunate to be four years at Oklahoma and then now at USC. But I'm sure there's got to be a lot of nerve uh, every time you're in college, knowing that at any moment there could be a change. There is. I knew uh, I knew all along that I wanted to be at this level. And I knew I was willing to to make some sacrifices to do it. Um, I thought when I left UT, I thought that was it. I thought that was my shot. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I was very happy at the high school level. Uh, I wanted it because I was ambitious and I wanted to see if the success that we had at the high school level could could take place at the college level. And I wanted to show everyone that, like, look, this is the same thing I do with high school kids and we're doing it with Division One athletes and it's still working. Um, so I kind of thought that that was it. And so when the call came, I knew I had to take it because I was happy where I was at. I was, I love coaching kids. Uh, it doesn't matter what level uh, I get fired up coaching those kids. But at the same time, I was like, I didn't even get a shot. And so when I got another shot, I took it. And it was the same way here. Uh, moving out here, it was an easy decision because like, you know, I, we did well. It's not like we did bad and we all got fired. You know, uh, had the head ball coach made a decision. And uh, we had had some success. So I was like, we got to keep this rolling. And so uh, everything worked and we, you know, we moved. And yeah, it, 
it'll make you question a lot of things. Um, but if you've got, if you've got a solid family and, and a wife and, uh, that knows, and you've got young kids, importantly, I think that's a big deal is my kids are still fairly young and, and they just love the adventure side of it. It's not like I had to pull them out of a, out of their high school or any sports teams just yet. And uh, so, you know, those questions are coming for me down the road, but for right now, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to chase it. But the idea of coaching high school is always there for me. It's like, uh, it's my safety net. I know I love it. I know, I know I love coaching kids and that I know that Friday night lights feeling and, and uh, I got no problem going back to it if I got to. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the support of your family. What's been the hardest part you think with, with the different movings from, you know, Denton to the Houston area to Oklahoma to now California you know, what, what do you think has been kind of really the toughest deal uh, aside from just trying to figure out housing and then, um, you know, just adjusted costs of living? This one by far has, was the hardest one without a doubt. Um, we, as soon as anybody, especially when you're from, from Texas and you're living in Oklahoma, you hear the word California and you're instantly like, I you know, I can't, nobody can live out there. Uh, so there was a, there was a salary question. There was a can we even make this work question, uh, but we also knew, you know, it's like we just it wasn't time. It's like we're not we're not giving all this up just because we're scared. Uh, so the wife and I have talked a lot about just uh, you know having a sense of, it, of adventure and, uh, and and going forward with it. So you know the toughest things were just coordinating it. Uh, making it cost efficient. Uh, it's kind of the nice thing at collegiate level. They do offer some moving costs, uh, unlike in the high school where they, you know, it's just like you got to figure it out. Uh, it's not a lot, but it was enough to to get some pods and get some things moved out here. And and uh, we had some connections from the previous staff here at SC, and they reached out with a home that they needed to get out from under a lease, and we needed a place to stay. Uh, so we we jumped right on it. We were very fortunate. Oh yeah, no doubt. What's probably the biggest moving lesson that you've learned having to, to move so many different places across so many different miles? Oh man, just, if you've got something, if you, if you've got a place and you know, you like it, get it. Like if if you, we, we find our homes based off how we feel and it, like, we don't try and be real, uh, analyze it and overthink it and overdo it we just try if it feels right we take it and um and we don't want anybody to uh take it out from under our feet and that's kind of the market the way it is now you know we saw an opportunity in the home we have and it's you know it's plenty expensive to, to stay out here and all that but it's like it's here it's right in front of our feet so let's go ahead and grab it and, and uh jump on it you know so that's kind of the big thing is uh, don't wait don't hesitate. Just just keep making decisions. Keep pulling the trigger on things and, and get it done. First and foremost, don't overanalyze it. Yeah, I know that's not directly related to you know the X's and O's of strength and conditioning, but you know I think that's a real thing to talk about when you bring in that whole part of moving and, and that side of of the coaching industry, right? It's those are real things. Moving, mm-hmm. out stuff with your family. Uh, you know, packing, do we get movers? Can we, can we handle it in the U-Haul ourselves type stuff? But I think all those things um, get thought of 
but they're kind of not necessarily talked about. But this is not going to be a how to move podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I do want to dive into you know one of the one of the biggest deals um, that you and Kyle and, and he credits you for having more uh, of the influence of it with the grid. Um, how do you? How did you create? its original inception and where have you evolved it to now? Originally, and I was, I was talking about this this weekend uh, at the CSCCA conference, the, uh, the original idea was like this tackling like pursuit angle game. It was a, it was a, an idea to take a lot of the sticks, you know, like soccer players use like agility sticks and just set up a giant grid of them. So whereas if somebody's running in one, one line or one angle, if I don't take the correct one, you know, I'll miss it. So it was like going to be a lesson in how to, you know, distancing and, and how to take the right angle for tackling. And I said, well, you know, we'll never have enough of these sticks to set up like what I'm thinking. And then, uh, you know, one day as, as me and Kyle, I was like, let's just set it up with cones and let's see what it looks like. So we did. Um, and then we, it was like simple things, right? We realized that you could do uh, like the Nebraska drill. We run straight up and back at a 45 and up and backpedal through. We realized that you could do that with 10 lines all at the same time. We realized that you could do pro agility with uh, 10 lines with all the same time. And then we started implementing some things like uh, it was around that same time that we'd heard Lauren Landau talk about, you know, crossover steps and, and uh, shifting your weight and inside and outside edges of the feet. So we're like, let's put some of this stuff in there and, and work on starting and coming to balance and, um, uh, that's how all those things just evolved as we were coach Keith and I were just constantly going to these clinics. And then we'd like, let's throw it into that. You know, let's, when we take that, let's put it into that. Let's take that drill. And instead of separating all the drills out, let's just put everything into, into the grid. And that's how it, that's how it evolved originally uh, at Geyer over the years. And then we, we started just mapping out uh, different deals. And then when I would, when I left, he'd send me video that he was doing. I'd send him video that I was doing. And then we just, we just kept feeding each other. And so it definitely would not be uh, what it is today unless we had each other just to, to go back and forth with all the time. When you were first kind of figuring out if it was going to work or not, who did you base your success off of? Were you, you know, did you just use your, your top end guys at Geyer or did you kind of say, the top end guys are going to be good at this, but we know it's going to be worth more investment of time if these if this population can get it. I'd say that I I think we knew instantly that this was the better way to do it, and uh, I know when when Kyle was talking, he hit the nail on the head. As soon as we realized that the coaching points that we wanted were fixing to get to every single athlete instead of having it broken up into different drills and that message getting mixed up between, you know, 16 different coaches. We were like, this is, this is absolutely better than doing it any other way because now I'm running it or, or, or Kyle's running it. And now all the coaches have to do is listen to what we're saying and repeat and coach, repeat and coach. It makes their job easier. It takes pressure off of them. And it allows us to get the exact same message. So the, the coming to balance, the, uh, this is how we want the step. This is where we want your center of mass. This is where we want everything is now getting communicated very clearly to everybody. And, and ultimately, that's what we really wanted. 
as you evolve the grid and then you you add in additional on-field components i.e sprint mechanics and then sprinting and um you know sled work and things like that how did you manipulate the grid to where it was an accessory to a main you know conditioning or, or sprint type movement versus the grid being the main the main mover with something else as a complementary uh exercise or movement pattern so our like our speed days um the grid right now is is only for uh for movement change of direction uh agility things like that our speed days we don't utilize the grid uh anymore that is when i was uh when I was coaching freshmen and really young populations, we would still line up in the grid and we would do all of our, uh, our rhythmic stuff, our skips, uh, our speed stuff, our marches, uh, getting off our start. So all that stuff would take place within the grid. But now our, our acceleration and top end days are outside of the grid. But the big thing that we, we separated the grid was in uh, one day is kind of like inside load emphasis. And then the other day was like this idea of this outside load emphasis. So um, pretty much bilateral changes of direction versus unilateral changes of direction was how those were split. So the patterns were based all off of that. And then we could apply all kinds and we could really slow that down to where um, very specific movements here and very specific movements here. And then eventually uh, we ran into a little bit of trouble as in like, once these kids got the patterns down, now we, we, we can't stay in the grid anymore. Now we've got to exit and we got to go into these, you know, small game situations. And then you felt like you lost some of your, your ability to move and operate really effectively. So now even more so, and this is something that I've seen, uh, that I've seen Kyle do and I've taken from him as well is, is just playing the small games within the grid. So now there's all kinds of situations that you can put these guys in, whether it be box tackling or, uh, or mirror drills or anything like that, that you can put within, you just pair up two lines and now they're going against each other. Yeah. I, I've seen him do that. And, you know, I think about, um, tackling, right. And one of the biggest deals in terms of coaching is, is the reduction of contact, you know, in, in terms of player safety and, and still trying to emphasize good technique and practice good habits. Um, I know that there are companies out there uh, that seemingly are mimicking what you guys are doing and, and others, and then potentially maybe you're stealing ideas from them, you know, because at the end of the day, there's a few things that we as coaches kind of create organically, but most of it is borrowed and manipulated for your situation and your athletes. Absolutely. You know, there's a, I, the grid concept was, was fairly organic. Um, now I've seen other people set up the cones and all that. So I would never go, there's nothing in the strength and conditioning world that I would ever say like, yeah, you know, the first one to ever do that. Absolutely not. It was just something that kind of was like, Oh wow, look at that. You know, it, it works. Um, so now, especially with our, you know, it's contact, but it's non-collision. And I'm not going to remember his name right now. Give him a shout out, but everybody knows. So he's the rugby tackle guy. I've yeah. stolen several things from him. 
and that because the same deal when we're getting the open field stocking situations like okay what are my linemen are doing it, it, of course they open field stock a little bit but they need to be working some non-collision type stuff so now i've got three or four lines of skill guys working you know open field uh, tackling and stalking and then i've got my o-line d-line over here working non-collision work and each little box may be a different type of competition as they work through you know four levels of box like five by five boxes that are within the grid so they can compete here they can compete here and by the time you're done with that you've gotten great you know uh, spatial awareness and contact and a little bit of fighting here and there but at the same time you're getting a great conditioning component from it um, that those guys need well, and I think that that's one of the biggest deals is in terms of bang for the buck, right? Time is time is finite, and you know, you you at the collegiate level are under a, a restriction of time. Us at the high school level are under some form of restriction of time. Obviously, at times you may go over, you may be under, but ultimately you try to be cognizant of time, uh, not not just for the constraints placed on by the governing body, but just coaches in general, right? You, you don't want to just burn yourself out. So creating these things where you can, you know, hit multiple things without necessarily trying to hit multiple things, you know, like you're going to focus on mechanics here, pursuit here, but all the while you're getting conditioning work without just saying, oh, we're going to line up and run gassers and there's our conditioning, right? So you're not, mm -hmm. you have nothing that's wasted and you're still maximizing as much as you can. Absolutely. How do you build, how, how did rest evolve in the grid? You know, cause that's one of the things where you want to push the conditioning, but you also don't want that breakdown of technique. But then at the same time, you still want to challenge the athletes in a fatigued state because at some point in a game, typically later in the season, there is going to be some kind of fatigue, right? They're going to have to think under pressure. They're going to have to, they're going to have to perform under stress of, of the environment and stress of, of playing through the game. Obviously we can't replicate the beat up body per se, uh, especially in the summer and spring, but you know, you try to find some kind of way to at least let them recover. So, where where did rest come in and how have you manipulated it to kind of hit on those different points? A couple of things. Uh, one of the biggest things that we've done was we can like, like we condition our guys before we even get in the grid. So now we're, that's over with, right? We've we've conditioned. We put our conditioning with them. Um, so now we, we've hit our target yards that we want to hit for the day, and then we'll do another one later in the week. So that's good to go. Then, so once we get in there, we don't feel any sense or pressure to speed this thing up. You know, we can get it taught. We can slow it down. We can teach. We can do whatever we need to do. The guys are dialed in because the last thing they want to do is go run anymore. You know, they're, they're, they're ready to learn. They've kind of gotten all the giddiness out of them, right? Um, and then this is something I've learned the hard way. And some of my former athletes can, can attest to this. Like the grid is really hard. If you, if you program lots of coming to balance and lots of stopping and lots of uh, starting and stopping within there, you're going to blow your guys up. Uh, you're going to end up with a lot of uh, patellar tendonitis from the stopping. Like you've got to be very careful on the doses. So 
the way I program those things on the sheet is I'll say one pass. So uh, whatever the, the pattern may be, uh, it may be like come to balance at 10 yards, right? So they'll come to balance at 10, they'll come to balance at 20 for one pass. So they've only stopped hard twice. And then towards the end, so I keep everything very separated in that fact, in that manner. And then towards the end, I may program something that is long and I know is fixing to blow them up. But I also communicate that with them like, all right, hey, it, it, it's freaking go time, you know? So I tell them that the pattern that we're going to do is complicated mentally. It's going to be complicated. Uh, so you've, you've got to know as you're putting it, as you're prescribing these movements for your guys, like this one, they're going to be okay with like this one's for learning. This one is for executing and this one is for grinding through a little bit. I like that, um, you know, just to kind of prep them so that they understand mentally, right? It's the same thing potentially going into a game. You know that this game coming up is going to be a grinder game, right? It's big rival, but you also know that the game after or the game before is not as much, right? You can yep. – you can go full tilt early on, knowing that you're going to be able to taper off later. Um, you know, I, I, same way with practice, right? We kind of structure practice from a football coach standpoint as one day is a little more teaching. The next day ramps up. And, you know, at the collegiate level, you're playing mostly on Saturday. So you can, you can ramp up another day before you taper back off. With the high school level, it's kind of tough to stay high on, on a couple of days you know, when you play on a Thursday or a Friday, um, you know, but at the end of the day, everybody's got stuff going on. Uh, so any kid coming in <clears throat> that's rough, you know, let's say they didn't do well on a test or they're underslept or, you know, didn't eat a whole lot <clears throat> from the day before, but they've got a grinder day. They're going to have to get it in their head and say, okay, here we go. Um you know, at least at the high school level, you know, too, if they don't show up on those types of days, they ain't about it, right? I'm sure right. at USC, you don't really have to – that's probably been a, a nice thing at Oklahoma and USC and UT. Like, if they're skipping, they're going, right? You're not having to sit there and, and, and waste time, unfortunately, the way that we've had to at the middle school and the high school level where, you know, little Johnny has a runny nose and doesn't show up. Uh, and then you get an email or, or a phone call about, you know, please excuse. And at the end of the day, you're just like, dude, either be here or don't like, but, but don't, don't kill the drill. Um, you know, I don't know how many drill killers you you have at that level compared to your days. At no. <laughs> there's, there's no, you might have a guy that doesn't show up or, um, but he's going to, there, there's consequences for not showing up and there's an army of people to figure out why. Um, so you don't really have misses for people. Don't just miss to miss. Um, right. If they do, they're going to, they get hammered. Uh, if guys are sick, you know it well ahead of time. You just have the support that you have from academics and, and athletic medicine is, is second to none. So uh, yeah, guys just don't miss for, for things that you don't know about. Yeah. When you have these different days and the conditioning and, and stuff, how do you pair that with what you're doing in the weight room? You know, are you, are you undulating it? Are you sticking more to a linear progression? You know, how are you working that and kind of how have you evolved from 
your time at Guyer to now being at USC where you might have a few more different resources. You can have a little more communication with the kids regarding how they're feeling. You've learned some things as, as you've gone through all, all these different stops. I know that the, the format hasn't changed a whole lot as far as lifting. Uh, it's always going to be a four day split. I don't say always, but in season it's threes, but uh, uh, we're a four day split. We clean and we work auxiliary, we Olympic movement. So it's pretty much moderate, high, off, low, high, as far as nervous system goes each week. So on a Monday, we're going to work cleans. And I, I love working cleans on Mondays because it wakes them up. I don't like trying to, I don't like Mondays uh, just because I've never had great success with like just hitting the ground running on a Monday. So we put our grid and conditioning day on Monday as a day to work some of our cleans at a moderate, uh, at a moderate weight. And then our auxiliary work is always going to be posterior upper body pull stuff. And then, uh, outside is conditioning. And we use that day as a, as a day to, to get them going, get them connected with what we're doing again. And then Tuesday we come back, uh, Tuesday's usually our, our big bench day, our unilateral strength day. And we're always the biggest thing, the difference between high school and college is now everything for us is velocity based because we have the technology to work that, um, and then we go out. So this is a pretty high day. This is our acceleration day, uh, our long jump. Uh, so I like, uh, putting force in the ground over a longer period of time. So our verticals are broads, um, some of our bounding. So our hurdle hops and then our acceleration, our sled work. Uh, and we love to pair that up with our unilateral strength work, uh, lower body strength work. And then everything is, uh, anterior push usually on that day. And we do that because we're going to take that Wednesday off and then, Thursday is looked at as the same way as Monday, but less. so everything Olympic wise is going to be a partial movement, a hand clean, a pull from a box, same auxiliary type work, same movement work. Uh, so we're going to go out. It's a different type of movement work in the grid, uh, but we're going to condition. We're going to get out in the grid and we're going to work uh, whatever it is that whatever part of off season that we're in for that day. And then Friday is our big high. Uh, max velocity uh, squat day in the weight room. So we'll go out, we'll run, we'll do a lot of our uh, really fast contact jumps, you know, our pogos, our hop series, uh, bounding, those types of things. And we'll get out there, we'll sprint, we'll run some fly 20s, fly 30s. In the summertime, we test uh, fly 10s and 15s. We pull max fees off their GPSs and then we go in and we, we squat, we jump and we get out. Uh, the Friday lifts are real short and to the point, but, uh, and then they have Saturday. So we always try the, the real high demanding days or nervous system demanding days. We put, uh, we always put before and they're going to have a day off to let that day recover. That's, no, those are really insightful there. And I hit on a, a kind of a couple of different questions that were posed, uh, both from coach Keese as, as well as myself in terms of your programming and how you emphasize different things. Um, one of the things that I would be curious is uh, we, with the transfer portal now, right? You have these kids coming from different colleges versus just a, a freshman coming from high school. So mm -hmm. how do you work those kids in? Is there conversation with the previous strength coach? Is, is there just conversation with the kid? You know, how much do you rely on that versus just seeing them move in the room with a specific group uh, versus like an incoming freshman where you potentially just assume 
zero, start them at block zero and progress from there. A lot of times with the transfer, especially this year with us, uh, we've got a lot of transfer guys coming in. You know that with a transfer guy, you know that they've got some kind of, they're used to the college environment. They might not be used to your training environment, but they know they know the tempo at which things are done. Like there's not a D1 program out there that's just <clears throat> slow and soft. You know, they're all pushing the tempo. They're all pushing the limit as best they can. So the kids that come in in the transfer portal, they, they know how to work. Um, it's just a matter of you getting them adjusted to to the way that you lift and what to expect. And, and and this is how we warm up and this is how we do things. Every now and then you'll get a kid that comes from a school that say doesn't hasn't done cleans in four or five years. So then you got to work around that. As far as getting them adjusted to their weights, usually that's a conversation with them. Uh, so if you get a guy that comes in, you say, what, you know, what's your bench max? And then they give you something ridiculous like 500 on the sheet. I'm going to put down 405 and then we'll see, because once we start lifting that, you know, that delete form is going to tell me everything I need to know. And then we can, uh, we can make adjustments pretty quick off of that. So every coach, you know, there's five of us and then we each have a group of guys that doesn't really change. You know, in each group that we have, we have our guys that are going to come to us and you get to know them very quickly. And so the changes that are made on their sheet are made by those coaches and those coaches alone because of the relationship that we have with them. So they come in and there's not really anything uh, in the weight room other than getting them taught up to like, this is the order of operations in here and this is how we do it. And this is the terminology to get used to. The biggest concern with guys coming in is what is their what is their conditioning capacity? You know, where are they at? What are their previous injuries? So usually if we're in the middle of winter training or summer training, like we're getting into, and we got guys coming in and we've got conditioning going on. Those guys are most likely going to be a two on one off situation for the first couple of weeks, just so we know, and we're, you know, we're covering ourselves and making sure that they are, they're good to go. Cause that's the scariest thing in sports. Uh, and, and especially at this level, uh, you know, you're not, you don't, uh, not taking that chance. I'm not just going to push a kid to push a kid. You know, we're going to give you time to adjust. We're going to give you time to get get used to uh, what we're doing, how we're doing. When we feel confident that you're ready for it, then 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 we're going to push you. Have you ever gotten a kid come from the, off the transfer portal that comes and they're just overly com overly uh, complimentary of what y'all are doing compared to where they left from? Not to not to rag or bag on any other place but they're just like oh man this is like this is like next level stuff coach like i couldn't think of ever doing something like this uh you know we get you get a lot of them. i think a lot of those kids are they're transferring for a reason so they want something fresh and so when they come to you no matter where they would are going to show up you know they're going to be pretty excited to do something fresh uh you'll hear some of them say things like man we never worked this hard but you got to you got you to take that with a grain of salt because you can, you know, some of the places kids come from, I can almost guarantee you they're there. They were working hard. Um, and so and there may be some coaching points. And I think we do some things that other places are, are not doing, uh, especially outside. Um, and especially when it comes to the grid and talking about galloping and the things like that, that we may get into a little bit later, but uh, yeah, you know, every now and then you hear that, but you know, I don't, uh, it doesn't make me think less of where they came from at all because, you know, they don't know, they don't know how much we all think about what we're doing. You know, there's not a strength coach on the planet that hasn't spent a lot of time thinking about what he's doing with his guys. Right. You know, you brought up galloping. That's a perfect segue. Uh, 
Coach Monty Sparkman asked the question, how do you progress your gallop movements? And, you know, where, where, where did that come from? How did it evolve? What would be your purpose of galloping? So uh, my guy, uh, Ryan Ojeda, and uh, he's somebody that everybody needs to look into uh, and, and kind of pay attention to and listen to. Um, he, he's done this for me several times. He's the guy that walks in the, like, walks in the room and talks to you. And then, you know, you think you understand your universe and then he, he kicks the door open and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, so uh, he's done that to me twice. And so uh, the galloping, he comes in and we start talking about movement and I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it. But I, then I kind of, I finally see what he's talking about. Right. And so it, it's the rhythmic change before direction, change of direction happens. That's what the gallop is. So when you watch receivers, everybody's very familiar with the way a receiver snaps down, right? His penultimate step before that foot slams into the ground, that foot always barely touches the ground, right? And so he enters into a gallop. If he were to continue that movement instead of stop, that's the same way you would enter into this galloping motion, right? One foot is always lands underneath or slightly behind the center of gravity, which initiates the hips to drop and initiates a deceleration and initiates uh, putting ourselves within into rhythm. So when you think about it, you, you, you think that this is just what receivers do. This is just what running backs do when they, when they make all these special moves, then you start thinking about how an offensive lineman works the boards up to the next level. Okay. So he's working his feet. He's chopping those feet in the ground. When he meets the linebacker, every old line coach in the country is going to say, you got to sink your pad level right before you make contact. How do I do that? Right. Well, as I'm getting closer, I let one foot land underneath my center of gravity or slightly behind. That's going to initiate my hips to drop. I'm going to gallop entry into contact. Right. You watch any pass rusher, any elite edge rusher, think about the long run. Right. How do I go from sprinting? Right. And then all of a sudden, gain leverage and strike an offensive tackle. It, it doesn't happen magically. I've got to be able to lose some ground with my feet. So I'm not losing. We all in strength and conditioning, we all lose ground to gain ground, like the, like a plyo step or the false step is losing ground to gain ground. Well, with the galloping, it's almost saying I'm losing ground to gain angles. I'm losing ground to gain leverage. Right. And then, you think about the steps, and this is really much better when you can see it. If I have a receiver and a DB and we're locked up, we're both stalemated standing straight up. I'm stalemated. How do I regain leverage? It's not me sinking down. If I just add a little hop, right, I can hop and my feet can go backwards, and now I've regained leverage. I'm the guy that wins the battle. So once I saw this, I was like, oh, <laughs> it was just a day where I just sat and I was like, holy smokes, you know. Uh, this is pretty big. Like just, it's the smallest thing right in front of our faces. Uh, and it applies to everybody, but nobody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, none of the kids know what I'm talking about. And every elite dude in the league, you watch and they're doing it uh, in some form or fashion, but they don't understand how they're doing it. Every time a quarterback rolls out of the pocket and he goes to throw an off-platform throw, traditionally, if I'm right-handed and I'm on platform throw, my right arm's up, my right foot is back, and that's how I throw. When I sprint out of the pocket, 
and I go to throw and my right leg is up, my right arm is up, right? So I load that back leg. Well, if I gallop entry into this rolling out throw or this off platform throw, I pretty much load this sling and I can let it rip. It's the same thing with when I'm stopping and starting and changing. And uh, so that's, that's why, you know, it's, it's been such a big deal. So we, we progress all those things uh, from just learning how to gallop first, learning how to gallop to a stop and how good that feels when you're using that. Uh, then we jog and then enter into a gallop and then we jog and then we work a, what a, like a gallop stop with pretty much a snap down. We start working changes of direction out of that. Uh, we start working on things called drop gallops, um, like soft turns, things like that, real subtle. Uh, you, it's just a, it's a, it's a lot, and uh, you know I'm not all the way there yet. I'm still working to understand it all, but uh, it's it's a pretty big deal. Uh, takes up a lot of my my thinking all the time. <laughs> I've heard I've heard Ryan Ojeda speak at a clinic before, and. I got lost. Like I, I knew it was good, but he <laughs> so fast. And then I, I was on a phone, uh, phone call with him with another defensive line coach, and he was talking about it. And I was like, hey, I understand exactly what they're talking about. And it makes perfect sense. I just didn't spend enough time, and I kick myself now because it's like, man, I could have been teaching this years ago, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like it's like you said. It's been done for a long time. It's just. No one has put it into context of this is how you do it. This is when it applies. And here's how you coach it so that it reinforces what really becomes more instinctual. Right. And absolutely. You know, I, I that's think that's it. That's the big part right there. Your, your elite dudes have figured it out. Yeah. Right. They figured it out because their elite understanding of their body, their, their kinesthetic awareness is crazy. Right. It's the dudes with elite capabilities that never figure it out that, you know, fall the wayside. So it's like, okay, how do I take this yoked up 19 year old? who has got amazing speed. You know, listen, now, how do I teach him the rhythm of his position to, to do these elite things? Because he can't figure it out himself. Like that's such a big puzzle piece that would be that you could do big things with. Because if I understand the, the rhythm of, of the elite movement, now I can increase the bandwidth in which I can apply movement and the creativity. And then we can go down a whole nother rabbit hole with that. Right. How much do you think your understanding of get of the gallop and, and the progression of that along with your grid movement stuff, how much do you think you having played and then you having coached football plays into it versus somebody that, may have not played football, but played basketball or, you know, on the rare chance played no sports at all. I don't think it really is that, that much. Um, I didn't really make any connections as a player other than a couple of offensive line things where I went just practicing it myself or I went, man, you know, that felt really good uh, doing it that way. Uh, other than that, it was more so thinking about it watching the film that we, uh, Coach Ajeda and I were trading back and forth and then going and, and running back and forth. They were doing this in Norman at the, the Everest, the indoor facility. Uh, I would just run around. Uh, I mean, just back and forth, like 
enter into a gallery, change direction this way, watch some more film. Let me figure out what that is. And that, and that's where it really took hold and started uh, helping me understand what was going on. Even as early, even as early as uh, this past winter, there was something that was giving me a hang up with a, a particular turn that I was trying to teach. And it was just a little hop. I needed a little hop and it, it took me forever to figure it out. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to apply movement and teach and I, I still feel like there's something missing. And so it's like, I've got to figure out what it is that I'm missing. So then you get back and you go out to the field and you start practicing, you start learning. So for me, it was much more of a watch the film and go practice it and keep doing it over and over and over again until I feel this. Because the biggest thing is like, you have to feel it to understand like, oh, I got it. Now I understand. Do you think that that's more of what your training, your personal training encompasses is that it's you figuring out how to better teach things versus you just lifting to stay in shape and say that I can do X amount of weight? Or is that in conjunction with the ability to say, yeah, I can still throw some weight around? So there, there's that part. Uh, there's the training so that I can demo and I can show and I can do uh, the way I want it to, to look. Um, but I finally, I, I finally pretty much gave up lifting to show off or lifting for weight. Um, I've always had this dream of, of being an out, like I've always been an outdoorsman, but I wanted to be a guy that could go actually do it and prove it and, and go show some things. So uh, during COVID, I, I was like, I finally put, put the weights down. I started running a lot. Uh, now I finally live in a place where I can actually go climb mountains and do awesome outdoor things. Um, cause at 280 pounds, it was not, you know, it wasn't happening for me. Uh, so that's where I base my training off of now is to, uh, run endurance aerobic, uh, as, uh, as coach Moffat told the uh, coach Keese and I, one time we were asking the same question, like, do you lift? And he's like, nah, 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 I'm an aerobic athlete. <laughs> so uh, I just had to let it go because uh, I used to think I got to be as strong as my guys and all the time. And it's like, you know what, if I'm as strong as my guys, my guys aren't very strong. And so uh, that's where I, I, I uh, train for demoing and train for adventure. Oh man. Don't you don't tell me that the secret to losing all that weight. Cause I'm, I, I hovering in the, in the mid two seventies right now at 35 years old, but don't tell me the secret is more running. Cause we're going to end this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I enjoy running, but, uh, you know, Stairmaster, um, people make fun of me all the time. So I freaking love the elliptical because I can, I got four points of contact. I can put music on, I can close my eyes and just go to work. I don't have to worry about keeping my eyes open. Like I can just go to another, I can go to the pain cave and stay there for as long as I want. There you go. There you go. No, I, you know, I think you're right though. There is something to, to, you know, training to stay in shape enough to demo, right? Like for me, I'm the main demoer. Um, at, at the high school I'm at in the Austin area, but I think part of that is I'm still developing those kids, so I haven't completely bought into these are the kids that I can use to demo, or these are the coaches that I can also pass it off to. Now, certain things like a pull-up, yeah, you know, this fat ass ain't getting up and doing no pull-up. Like, we're going to find <laughs> a kid to do it, or yeah. I'll, I'll video somebody in the weight room and just and play it off of that. But 
you know, you talk about, or I, you know, just mentioned about videoing and you're talking about training to demo. Uh, you know, I, I DM'd you and I said, I found your YouTube channel from back in, you know, 2013 and oh like, yeah teaching cleans and you're teaching the grid and, and you're you know low hurdle hops and, and, and all that you guys got the 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 metal going and it's awesome how much has changed from your teaching progression versus going back and going aside from just you know probably having more background noise than necessary for a demo video it's pretty much all the exact same. I'd say we we're, we simplified a lot more. We've gotten better as as coaches. Um, I certainly don't take every one of those like the the clean how to teach the clean video. You know, um, we don't go through all those steps anymore. You know, it's you know here's this position. We work three different positions and and we roll and then we keep it really light until you just, you figure it out. And I think that's an important process is letting giving guys time to figure things out. And the same thing with any of those videos, like, um, you know, I was, I was pretty gung-ho back in those days and it was lift and I'm going to lift, you're going to lift and you're, you're not going to lift more than me. And, uh, and I feel like I've gotten old enough now to where it's like, I don't have to, I don't have to prove those things to anybody anymore. Um, but you know, don't get like, I'll show my guys here every now and then it may not be 300 pounds, but don't get it twisted, you know? I can still get it done and uh, always bring up the Toby Keith line. You know, it's like, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. So don't, don't, uh, if you want to mess around, you can find out. So, uh, so every now and then we'll, we'll throw in, we'll lift with the kids and, uh, and just so they can see that like, yeah, we know exactly what we're talking about because we do it, we lived it and those kinds of things. But uh, I'd say the only thing that's changed from those videos is, is the gray hair a little bit less on top. And, uh, and we've gotten a lot better about how we, we communicate it. Do you think that that's really the most important part though, is the fact that you've cleaned up the communication side of things and simplified it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm working on my certifications. Um, you know, I have USAW, I'm working on my CSCS, uh, but our defensive coordinator, Head girl soccer coach always jokes like not everybody speaks Noonan, right? And and I don't think I don't think that I use as textbook um, language comparative to other people, right? I think I I try to do a pretty good job of word association to certain movements. Obviously, everybody knows what a back squat is, you know. But I was talking with him the other day. I was like, there's some football coach out there that at some point bastardized what a power clean is. And so then all of a sudden power cleans meant from the floor, full clean, full squat clean, instead of mm -hmm. power clean, just catching in the power position like it is in USAW. Um, so like, that's kind of my deal is I'm, I'm trying to reclaim and readjust the vocabulary and, and, and the lexicon of that. But, you know, when you present these things to, your kids, your athletes, right? You have the ones coming from high school or coming from the transfer portal. It's probably similar to the way it is in the NFL, right? You you go, everybody pretty much does the same stuff. It's just a matter of understanding the terminology and the jargon. Once they figure out what you're saying, then they can just execute the movement. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. You know, the 
we can call anything we want anything. It's not like we're a bunch of medical doctors. If I don't remember the name of what an exercise is, I'll call it, I'll put it on the sheet, whatever I want to call it. And then, cause I'm going to tell the kids what it is. Um, you know, if I were to post a video of a guy doing power cleans and I called him, you know, squat cleans, I'm going to get roasted on Twitter. You know what I mean? Um, but who says I can't call it whatever I want to call it? You know, if I say clean and my guys aren't understanding that I need them to catch the bar in a low position and I want to put on squat clean so they know that, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to squat with this, then that's the best way I needed to communicate with my guys. I know the difference between a power clean and a clean, but you know what I mean? It's kind of uh, however you need to communicate with your guys and your athletes to get them to understand what it is you want them to do. There's, there is no set way or set terminology, and you're not going to get in trouble if you you call it whatever you want to call it, put it on the sheet, and if you're training, but as long as you as the coach understand what that movement is, what you're supposed to get out of that movement, and, and your parameters around it, you know, it's all said and good. At the end of the day, it's uh, you want your guys doing and doing the movements that you that you want them. You want to do it the right way. Oh, no doubt. So it's coming up on internship season, uh, and, and you're a perfect person to ask in terms of being at a place where people are going to want to intern at. Right? You know, you're going to want to go intern at USC to say you interned at USC, but that's not always the best mindset not to knock you guys there at USC. Like it's great that people want to go intern there, but I have seen it posted recently on Twitter, right? Uh, somebody, somebody, I think it was coach Pat Basil throughout the question of what would you tell young coaches that are seeking internships? One of the responses was don't go somewhere for the logo, right? Go somewhere where right. you know you're going to learn. Um, you know, if, if I was, if I was going to sell someone on an internship, I would say, go to you guys so that you learn what the grid is from the grid master, right? You learn mm -hmm. the Gallup stuff because that's what you're pushing um, along with your Olympic uh, lifting and things of that nature. If you're not a big Olympic person, don't go somewhere that they're heavy Olympic lifting, right? Unless you're open to changing your mindset. So when you guys are going through this process or currently going through this process of in, in encumbering these interns, What's your thought process of, of one, what, are the, what does an intern need to do? And two, um, what, do you, what is it that you want in that intern so that they can maximize their internship? Or what do you hope that they leave once their time is done with you that they've gained? A couple of different things. When we're looking for interns, we want the first thing we want are, are our, our grinders, guys that understand are willing to, they're willing to work. Um, not that, that that's the end all be all, but it's a pretty good prerequisite. Like uh, waking up, you know, at, at 3.30 so you can get there by, you know, 4.35 and set up for a group by six o'clock is, is all fun and games the first couple of times. But when you're on week eight, uh, you better still be ready to go because it's not easy. Uh, so that's kind of a, a prerequisite. Number two would be, you know, like you said, we don't want any fanboys, uh, guys that are coming in just so they can say that they were here at this place. And then, you know, number three, uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't care. I'm not really interested in what you know right now. Uh, I, I want guys who have, uh, what I, this is something that's really important to me too, is we talk about this beginner's mind. Uh, I want somebody with a beginner's mind who's just ready to learn because I'm always ready to learn. 
anybody I talk to, uh, you know, because uh, the the options in a beginner's mind are, are endless. Anything is possible in a in beginner's mind. It's only in an expert mind where things are limited and you can't do this, you can't do that because they think they know everything. So um, come in ready to learn. And so those, those are the three biggest things, you know, be ready to grind, be ready to um, just work and, and then be ready to learn. And so, and then when you come in and do that, you're going to find out just how things are operating. You know, this is the first summer I've had interns. This will be my fifth summer uh, working at that uh, at the Division One level, and at OU we weren't allowed to have interns, so we were doing all the grind to set up the breakdown, all of it every single day between five of us, and there was a whole 2020 year where there was just four of us doing that every single day. And so when they come in, you know how to do this, and we'll be right there doing it with them, and then we're going to do a a lot of data collection, you know, learning the sports science side of things, learning how to move in the grid and and uh, they're going to be a part of a program that uh, that doesn't lie to kids. You know, you're either getting better or you're not. Uh, and we're not just asking that question of our athletes, but we're asking that question of ourselves. Like, what are you doing that is impeding you from getting better? What am I doing that's impeding this guy from getting better? Um, so because we both eat at the same table, you know, uh, and we both eat the same dinner. They, If I suck, they suck. And if, if they're terrible athletes, then, then I'm a terrible strength coach. It's, it's pretty black and white. And uh, so, I mean, if guys come to us, I think it's, uh, you know, they're going to get a pretty good education on how things should be run and, and in the best way possible. With your time spent at the high school level and the Division One level, do you feel like it gives a little more wisdom to – an intern or a young strength coach to say, Hey, as great as this is high school is not a bad idea either, especially in like a place where in Texas, where I think there's a greater and greater move towards full-time strength conditioning coaches um, because the payoff is huge. You're investing in kids um, versus just having some sport coach throw some kind of program and they really have no idea how to adjust it for their kids. Yeah, so I got the perfect example for this. Um, 2008, 2009, 2010, I was as, uh, as eager and ambitious as anybody to get, get done. I was applying for anything. I was ready to do anything I had to do. And uh, so I was applying for internships all over the place. And then, uh, you know, I, lo and behold, out of nowhere, Tommy, like Tommy Offit calls me. He's like, man, if you think you're perfect for this position. And so he starts asking me like, well, what are you doing? I say, well, uh, I'm in charge. I'm the director of strength conditioning for this, uh, 5A school in Texas. Um, uh, you know, and we're doing this and he's like, forget about it. He's like, you're, you're an idiot. If you come here and be an intern, you know what I mean? And, I was a little bit disappointed at the time, but I understood, I totally understand now because it was, it was me writing the programs. It was me uh, coaching it all day, every day, having it on my shoulders that taught me more than I could ever learn being an intern. You're going to learn some cool things as an intern, like science and, and had data collection and how to set up and how it operates. But if you have the opportunity to go and coach kids and be in charge of it and running your own program, you're going to learn more of that in a year. Then, then you could do it. You could do a hundred internships, and you never know because you're not going to get to coach anybody. 
how much in terms of the programming do you hand off to the guys that have been with you versus uh you know just saddling all of it on your shoulders or is that currently kind of a work in progress no uh we we split it up uh fairly evenly as far as the main program what the team's doing the what we're running that's all the stuff that i do uh coach martinez does all the all the guys that are injured that need to be, have workarounds during a lift. So I'll write the sheets and go in and find those guys. He's going to manipulate every one of those guys and make sure that they're good to go. And then when it comes to like practice and things like that, we have daily meetings with our athletic perform or uh, athletic training staff as to who can do this. And these are the yardage that they want them to hit. So we facilitate those movements. And uh, the rest of the staff also handles, you know, what we call the pit or what injured guys are doing during practice. So that's how we kind of divvy up. Uh, and work around because it's not just that workout for those guys and, and the team, you know, there's, there's all these other things that got to take place uh, for a successful program to get run. Well, that's really good that, that you have that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are some places where it's a little bit more dictatorship authoritarian versus, you know, diplomatic or at least, you know, it's a it's a delegated thing because at the end of the day, right, I would think you would want those guys underneath you to grow, develop, and pass it on the same way that things have been passed on to you. Um, you know, the way in which you talked about Kyle helped you and then you had an opportunity to come back and help Kyle. You know, I would I would assume that that's what you want as well from the people that are working with you right now is that when they get that point, they can be the ones to pay it forward the way that uh, it was paid forward for you. Absolutely. You know, uh, I already just the, the trust that, that my boss, uh, Coach Wiley, gives me. I mean, he's the boss. This is his program. He's the one that ultimately has to answer for the things that we're doing. But at the end of the day, he says, this is something I need you to do. And so he gives that trust to me, and then we 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 pass that down, and um, and ultimately, it's it's the setup of like hire the staff that you that you need, and let them do what they're really good at. And so we all have particular things that we're really good at, and that's what he allows us to do. And so that's why I think you know we have a really good uh, setup here is is because we're all allowed to be the best, uh, you know, the best of what we're doing. We have a lot of responsibility and a lot of uh, ownership in the program. I love it. Well, I'll get you out of here on, on these last few questions. They may arguably be the most important questions uh, or the absolute worst questions, but okay. you're a Texas boy. What do you miss most about Texas in general? And what do you miss most about Texas food wise? So a couple of things. One, I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, the Mexican food in California is fire. I'm not going to say it's better in Texas. It's not, but it's freaking good. It's really good out here. Uh, barbecue. I have I have yet to I have yet to even eat barbecue since I've been out here. Uh, so I, I'm I'm hoping I could find something that will be suitable until I you know can go back and eat. Uh, Ice cream. I have not found an ice cream that is worthy uh, of Bluebell yet. That's not even close. 
Uh, at least in Oklahoma, I had Brahms, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But here, I haven't found anything yet. Uh, I'm sure there's something good. I'm not dissing California ice cream. I just haven't found it yet. And then, of course, uh, you know, Whataburger is, is – there's nothing. I mean, in and outs fine. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, I can – it's an okay substitute, but it ain't Whataburger. So. What's your What's your go-to at Whataburger? Oh, the number two, double meat, double cheese, no onions with bacon. Absolutely. Go. Well, if there's any coaches in Cali uh, that are that are around SC or have traveled around there, you know, please please help coach uh, find those eateries that he needs to find, whether it's barbecue or ice cream or you know other hidden gems. Um, it's good that you you can at least have appreciation for the Mexican food out there um, versus you know having it in in Texas. I would assume in Oklahoma it was probably not as good. Uh, you know, no, now we'll say this in, in defense like Los Angeles is a food city, and so they might not have barbecue, but the, the, the seafood, um, the, the Asian culture, and the food here is is second. Like, there's no, there's no other place that it might be better. So, uh, it's a gigantic city, it hasn't been very explored yet. So, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, and I've got some players, some offensive linemen that are foodies, and they share stuff with me all the time. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Wherever the, wherever the big guys are eating, you know it's going to be good because they're not going to waste their money. That's absolutely, absolutely. Well, Coach, man, I appreciate you for taking the time out. I understand why uh, Coach Kyle Keith speak Kyle Keith speaks so highly of you. Uh, I, I think that uh, what you're doing over there is great. Um, you know, I hope to to meet you one day in person. If I'm able to, I'd love to come watch you guys you know, run sessions. Um, just like you said, uh, it clicks better when you see it live. Um, you know, but I know with various different restrictions and, and obviously time, uh, those are one things, but you know, I, I can only imagine how awesome it is to watch it in live and in person. And, um, you know, I just wish you guys the best of luck the rest of this spring and going into the summer and fall. And, uh, if, if people don't already know what's the best way to, get a hold of you and interact with you. If you want to learn more about grid and gallop and uh, Olympic lifting and yardage for conditioning and those types of things. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, it's at Keggins to K E G A N S uh, number two. And then uh, the Instagram is fairly similar and I can't even remember what my handle on Instagram is right now. But either one of those, uh, there's not a whole lot of people with the last name. So uh, if you search it, I'm sure you'll find it. So either one of those, send me a message. We'll get back. We'll connect. Uh, nothing's off limits. Y'all just you know, reach out, ask whatever you need to ask, and uh, we'll find a way. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again, and sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs>